The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. You probably noticed, but on your way in, uh, the hallway and the bathrooms, they look just a little bit different. And I just want to say a big, huge thank you to the 75 or so uh, uh, people who stayed last Sunday for our work day. Uh, we tore all of the tile out in the main hallway. We demoed the bathrooms. We also demoed all of the upstairs in anticipation of getting our permit uh, from the city for those uh, renovations. And uh I just want you to know uh, that if you had the privilege of using our luxury portable bathrooms today, that was because of Lisa. You can tell Lisa, thank you. I was going to get regular old porta potties, all right? And she said, that's not good enough. And so we upgraded to luxury portable toilets. And uh, you can thank Lisa for that. Go ahead. Go ahead. And the luxury portable toilets will be back for Trunk or Treat, by the way, okay? Because that's how we roll, all right? Um, but thank you for everyone who stayed and helped. Uh, the goal is by next Sunday that the bathrooms will be uh, operational. They'll be back up uh, and running. And then by the next week, uh, the hallways uh, will be completed, um, repainted, all those sorts of things. And so uh, thank you for just being a part. There's a lot uh, of exciting things happening around Harvest. You Are you? glad you're a part of Harvest? It's pretty fun, right? Uh, we're in a series right now called Out of the Cave, Now What? Out of the Cave, Now What? It's really a series uh, about mental health, uh, about coming out of that cave that our enemy, the, the devil, would love for you to stay in. The devil would love for you to be isolated, to be lonely, to be anxious, to be depressed, to be constantly worried, to be suicidal. That, that would, he would love for you to live in that cave, but we believe that God has a better plan for every single person that's in this room right now, that's listening online, that he wants you to come out of that cave. But I know, we know that coming out of the cave can be complicated. It can be scary. It can be difficult. How do we do that? And then if you manage to get out of the cave, what do you do now? How do you live a life out of that cave that for many, you've been in that for so long, you don't even know what to do as you come out of the cave. And so that's what this series is all about. And I want to tell you one thing as we get into today's message. Uh, two weeks from today, on Sunday the 12th, uh, I felt like the Lord put uh, a vision in my heart to take an entire Sunday, and we're calling it Breakthrough Sunday. And the idea is this, is through the series, we're talking a lot about a lot of practical things that you can do in your life as you come out of the cave. There are a lot of practical things, and I think you should do them. We believe in a whole holistic approach to mental health. I think you should have a counselor. I think if you need medication, you should take medication. I think you should be in a church. I think you should be in a life group. I think you should spend time daily in God's word. I think you should be accountable to someone. I think you should journal. I think these are all practical things, right, that you should do. But I also want you to know that we also believe that there's a spiritual component to living out of the cave. And the Bible actually talks about that there are some things that can only be overcome by the power of God. And so we're setting an entire Sunday aside, November the 12th. We're going to extend our worship time. We're going to take communion. We're going to really press in in prayer. And we're going to believe, for the, especially for those of you that you've been, you've been really contending for freedom in this series. And maybe you've made progress, but maybe you're not all the way there. I'm telling you, the 12th is going to be a powerful day as we ask God to heal us to set us free, to help us to live this life out of the cave. So November the 12th, you're going to want to do that. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a pretty big topic. Today, we're going to talk about trauma. Trauma has uh, uh, an ability to affect our mental health. And so today, I want to talk about trauma. And in each of these weeks, we've talked about something new, okay? Uh, a new perspective, a new, right? So today, we're talking about trauma and a new trajectory, okay? 
okay? A new trajectory. Now, trauma comes in all shapes and sizes. Uh, honestly, probably everyone in the room today has experienced some uh, level of trauma in your life. And here's what I want you to know about trauma is that trauma is actually not about the traumatic event. When we talk about trauma, most people would instantly think of the event uh, that happened, uh, the injury, the accident, the divorce, the suicide, uh, the abuse. Like, like we would think about the event and that was what we would think about with trauma. But technically speaking, trauma is actually our response to the traumatic event. So I'll just give you a quick definition. It's a response to a deeply distressing or disturbing event. So what's interesting to me about this as I study it is if you would have asked me two months ago what trauma is, I would have pointed you to the event, but really it's about the response. And this is good news. This is really good news. You know why? Is because you and I most often don't have control over the actual event, okay? For many of you, your trauma, you didn't cause. It was done to you. It was caused by someone else. And so if trauma is the event itself, you and I have no control. But if trauma is our response, guess what? You and I have a role to play in how we deal with this. In other words, you can handle your trauma in some healthy ways, or you can handle your trauma in some unhealthy ways. And what's difficult about trauma is often not what you see on the outside of someone, but the wounds that you can't see with the naked eye. (laughs) Yes, trauma can be physical, but trauma can also be mental, emotional, and even spiritual. So sometimes you might be in relationship with someone who's been through some serious trauma, but you can't see it on the outside. But what we can't see is what's happening on the inside. Uh, I need to make you aware today of our enemy, Satan, his agenda when it comes to trauma. When, when it comes to trauma, I want you to know this, that the enemy is not really after the event, right? He's not just going to, to hurt you, but his agenda is actually to change the trajectory of your life. That's why today as we talk about trauma, we're going to talk about a new trajectory. I'll, I'll give you an example from scripture. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Job. And Job in, in Job chapter one, you can read about this. He's a very blessed man. Uh, he, the scriptures tell us he has seven sons and three daughters. And then it goes on to tell us that he has 7,000 thousand sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and uh, five, I don't know why it said, I don't know why it, it designates this, I need to study it, but it says he has 500 female donkeys, all right? I don't know if he had male donkeys to go with it, or if he just got rid of the, the, the boy donkeys, he's like, you're out of here, boy donkeys, I don't know, but, but this is a picture of a blessed man. He has a lot, in fact, the very last verse in that description actually says, he was, in fact, the rich richest person in the entire area. So here's, here's what I'm telling you. The first few, for first few verses of Job tell us that his life was on a great trajectory, right? It was headed somewhere that was exciting. It was going somewhere. He was having fun. The Lord was blessing him. And Satan comes along and he wants to test Job. And we read about this in verse six of chapter one. It says, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser Satan. I love how clear it is. The accuser, the enemy Satan came with them. And the Lord says, where did you come from, Satan? And Satan says, I have been patrolling. Listen, 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 before I read it to you. He's still doing this today, okay? This is still what Satan is doing today. Satan says, I was patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on, okay? He's paying attention. He's watching you. He's watching your kids. He's watching your marriage. He's watching you at work. He's paying attention. And and I'll just tell you, he's looking for an opportunity to step into your life, not just to hurt you one time, but to shift the trajectory of your life. And the Lord says to Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God. 
and he stays away from evil. And Satan says, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him, his home, his property. You made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. Satan himself is acknowledging the trajectory of Job's life. He's saying Job is blessed. You've protected him. He's healthy. He's rich. He has an amazing family. And so Satan comes up with a plan in verse 11. He says, but reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. I think this is a picture of what the enemy wants to do in your life and in my life when it comes to trauma. He does not just want to inflict pain on your life, on your marriage, on your kids, on your finances, but he would love to change the trajectory of your life. So today, as we talk about coming out of the cave and and trauma, my hope, my prayer is that with the help of the Holy Spirit today, that you would be offered a new trajectory. That today, maybe you will realize the, the eyes of your heart will be opened that the trauma that you experienced, and for many of you, it'll go way back, and that you'll look way back and you'll realize my life was headed in a particular direction. And when that happened, the enemy was able to shift my heart. He was able to move my heart a little bit, and I just got off of the path that God really has for me. And today, my prayer is that the eyes of your heart would be opened, and the Holy Spirit would say, hey, son, daughter, I have a new trajectory for you today. So I want to do something we do every week, but I don't ever want it to get old. I want us to pause, and I want us to pray. We're going to open God's word. We're going to learn today. The Holy Spirit's going to teach us. But I want you to position your heart to hear what he has for you today. And what I love about this is that I'm confident that God will talk to every single one of us today. There will be a cohesive message for every one of us today. But if you'll open your heart, I believe it's not just a corporate message, but I believe God has a personal message for you today. So would you do that with me? Would you pray with me? So Father, thank you for your word. It's so, so powerful. Today it has the ability to cut to the deepest parts of our hearts to help us to find healing from trauma. So we ask you for your help. And as we do this, we open our own hearts. We get really focused. We, we lean in in our posture and we just listen for the voice of the Lord to talk to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Growing up, I feel like the overall attitude towards trauma was that we underestimated it. I don't know if any of you used this phrase or maybe your family, your parents, your grandparents, but, but uh, uh, this phrase, rub a little dirt on it. Anyone ever heard that phrase, rub a little dirt on it? Um, I was playing catch with my dad as a teenager in our backyard, and we had a little area that, that was divided by some railroad ties. I was near that area. My dad was giving me ground balls and pop, pop, pop flies and, and, and threw her throwing the ball and he threw a a, a grounder to uh, my right and I dove to catch it and as I did my hip hit one of these railroad ties and I remember still to this moment it just hit that corner it was excruciating and here I am rolling in the grass in our backyard grasping my hip and I'm just going oh oh man and I'm in pain and my dad who I expected to be loving and and kind and compassionate in that moment he walks over to me he does not offer me a hand to help me up he says son rub a little dirt on it and get up anyone ever have your parent do that yeah to be real honest with you we probably need a little more of that in our society today but in that moment I was not happy with my dad I was experiencing a low level grade of trauma And my dad said, rub a little dirt on it, right? Now, today, I think we have shifted from being underestimating of trauma to quite possibly over being, I mean, we're, now we're, we're oversensitive. Like, like we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, right? 
Um, some of you uh, might know this if you've ever visited my office here in the church, but um, my wife has a rule. This is the context. I, I like to hunt and fish, and uh, I like to taxidermy the animals that I, that, I, that I have because it brings me joy. And if it doesn't bring you joy, it's okay. It brings me joy. And so Lisa has a rule that none of that can go in our house. None of it, okay? Not one single animal can be in our house unless it's living and his name is Cooper. None of it can be in our house. So guess where they're at? They're in my office and there's a lot of them, all right? A lot. It's a zoo. It is awesome, okay? And one day Lisa says to me, Jason, what are you going to do if someone comes in for counseling or to, to meet with you as their pastor and they walk into your office and they do not like your animals? And I said, they can leave my office and find another pastor. That's what I said, okay? And, uh, and, and, and then... Uh, she said, Jason, that's not nice. And I said, it doesn't matter. It's my office, you know. And, and, and the point, the point really was, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too extreme either way. So please know if you don't like it, I will meet you in another room. Okay. I will. I promise I, I'll be a little bit sensitive. Okay. But I don't want to be, I don't want to overestimate trauma, but I also don't want to be overly sensitive. Okay. But trauma is a big, big, deal. There's three types of trauma. If you, you know, study it from like a scientific, you know, point of view, uh, number one is what they call acute trauma. Okay. Acute trauma, which, uh, when I heard that, I thought they meant, oh, that's cute. I guess cute little trauma. That's not what it means. Uh, all right. It, it actually, it's describing a single one-time event. Okay. So this could be that you're in a horrific car accident. It's a one-time event. It's horrible. It's awful, but it's a one-time. It's probably not going to be repeated. That would be acute trauma. Number two is chronic trauma. This is repeated, prolonged exposure to highly stressful events. Uh, things like uh, abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, emotional uh, abuse, domestic violence. Those would fall into the category of chronic trauma. And then number three, the third type is complex trauma. This is exposure to multiple traumatic events. Now, as with this entire series, we always want to go to the scripture for answers as we think about how do we come out of the cave? What do we do? And so as I did that, I thought of the Apostle Paul. And uh, interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul, who you probably know because he wrote a lot of the New Testament, he was a missionary and evangelist. He was planting churches. Uh, he did a lot of miracles. I mean, there's a lot of things about Paul that you might know about him. But Paul, when you study his life, it's pretty interesting because he experienced all three types of trauma. He experienced acute trauma, he experienced chronic trauma, and he experienced uh, complex trauma. And I'll just show you quickly, if you start with Paul's conversion to Christianity, it in itself, his conversion was traumatic. Now, Paul didn't start as Paul in the scripture. When you first find him in the Bible, he has a different name. His name is Saul, and Saul was angry, and Saul hated Christians. And so Saul was going around, and he was persecuting Christians at every chance he got. And I don't mean that he was posting mean things on Facebook, you know. I'm telling you, like, he was murdering Christians, okay. He, he wasn't just at the water cooler, like, can you believe what he did? Can you believe? Like he is murdering Christians. And this is what happens in Acts chapter nine, verse one. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, that's the way of Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he's headed there, and it says, as he neared Damascus, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, okay? So it sounds like, like lightning is flashing around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, I don't know about you, but this is very different than my conversion story, 
the first time that Saul hears the Lord, it was not a gentle, loving voice. Hey, Saul, how are you doing? I'd like to introduce myself. I'm the savior of the world. It was Saul, what in the world are you doing persecuting me and my people? He's calling him on the carpet. My conversion story is that I was a kid. I grew up in church. Uh, I knew Jesus uh, in my, because of my family. Uh, I knew Jesus from a young age. But there was a particular Sunday that uh, I was in kids' church. And, and I still don't remember exactly what our kids' pastor preached. But at the end of it, he told some story about that childhood game hot potato. And there was some correlation there. And I still don't know it. And it always sounds silly when I tell this story. But here's what I remember is that in that moment, moment, the Lord got a hold of my heart. And as a young man, I ran to the altar and I stood at the front of the altar with both hands in my, in the air, tears streaming down my face. And this was my prayer. Lord, I want to be a hot potato. That was my prayer. It's very different than Saul's who's walking down the road. He's confronted by lightning. He hears this voice, you know, and it reminded me him with the, the light flashing around. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was up in the mountains and I'd hiked about three miles in and uh, I, I knew I didn't have phone service where I was and I just set up my binoculars. I was starting to look for some deer and my phone made this noise and I was confused because I knew I didn't have phone signal. So I pulled my phone out and I come to find out that it, I was getting a tornado warning in New Mexico, a tornado warning. So I started packing my stuff up as fast as I could. And before I could even get it packed up, this storm had moved in. And y'all, there was lightning in every direction. I mean, it was surrounding me. And here I am with a tripod and a gun. In other words, a lightning rod and a lightning rod, right? <laughs> and I'm three miles from the truck. And so I put both of them down as low as I could, parallel to the ground. I kind of ducked down and I kind of ran like this for three miles. And I was already full of the Holy Spirit. But I'm just telling you, if I wasn't, I got extra full that night. Because as I, as I waddled across <laughs> the mountains there, I was praying the whole time. I thought, this is for sure how I'm going to die. They're going to find my body up here holding two lightning rods, you know. They'll be like, well, I hope you got a deer that day. And I didn't. And I, I thought of that because it was traumatic. Paul is... He's having a traumatic conversion experience. The Lord is confronting him. And in this moment, he, he surrenders his voice. Uh, he surrenders his heart to the Lord. But it doesn't end there because Saul is actually blinded by this light for three days. For three days. Verse 9 says for three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. That, that's how you know it was traumatic. I mean, he's, he just stopped eating. He stopped drinking. He's just freaking out, you know. And, and, and out of this experience, Saul ultimately gives his heart to the Lord. He's saved. He gets a new name. His name is Paul. And that's not the end of the trauma for Saul slash Paul. We read this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, that talks about a lot of trauma in his life. He says, these are his own words, he says, I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I would not get on a boat with him. I, was, uh, I spent night and day in the open seas. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, fellow Jews, Gentiles. Danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked, and besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Quick question, do you think Paul had some trauma in his life? Anyone? Trauma. I mean, this dude's life was full of traumatic experiences, but remember that trauma is our response to the traumatic experiences. So what we learn about Paul is, is that somehow he figured out 
how to find healing time and time and time again. Somehow, Paul learned how to not hold on to unforgiveness towards the people that were hurting him time and time again. Over and over, the enemy tried to change the trajectory of Paul's life But somehow, Paul, over and over, discovered a new God-honoring trajectory for his life. So how do we do it? That's what I want to help you with today. How do we find this new trajectory? Number one, you're going to have to process the pain. You're going to have to process the pain. In other words, you can't ignore it. It happened. Whatever your it is, it happened. It was awful. It was terrible. I wish it didn't happen, but it happened. And ignoring it will not make it go away. You're going to have to process your pain. If you don't, you will stay stuck in your pain. If you think moving, you will will solve it. You will simply move with your pain. I often will we'll, we'll, we'll meet someone new that's coming to the church and as we get to know them, I'll find out that part of their story is that they had pain, they had some trauma, and they thought that moving would fix it, but what they find out is that when they get here, that they just brought their trauma with them. You're going to have to process your pain. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I would encourage you to name your pain, to just put a a name on it, to acknowledge your pain, to talk to a trusted friend. Uh, This is part of how you process it. Talk to someone that you trust. By the way, I would really encourage you you talk to someone who's also a believer, okay? Talk to someone who's also uh, in tune with God and his word and his ideas and help. let them help you to process process it. You might need to journal about it. I mean, there's some really good ways to process it, but I'm just telling you, you are going to need to process it. It's not just going to go away. And I'll just tell you, I believe the very best place for you to process your pain is in community. And I believe the best community to process your pain is the church. I believe that. There's a verse in James chapter 5, verse 16, that holds a powerful truth. It says this. It says, therefore, confess your sins, watch this, to one another. Okay? Now, there's another passage that talks about confessing your sins to God, and you will be forgiven. You will be saved. But James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. And watch this. Here's the truth. It says, so that you may be healed. Here's the truth. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. We confess our sins to one another to find healing. The scripture is helping us to understand that part of the healing process is when we process with one another, when we talk about it, when we encourage one another, when we pray with one another, when we check with one another. Think about it this way. You can ignore the pain, but the wound is still there, okay? Some of you have a high pain tolerance, okay? Um, We were talking this week. My wife has a high pain tolerance. She says, I have a low pain tolerance. (laughs) I don't know if it's true or not, right? She'd be, you know, like like picking on something she sees. I'm like, oh, 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 you know? And her and the girls, they just laugh and be like, oh, you big baby, you know? And then here's Lisa. On the other hand, she's literally had three babies, right? And I'm just like a champ. I mean, just like, no big deal. It wasn't a big deal. Just high, high pain tolerance. I'll tell you who else has a high pain tolerance is my friend Martin. Martin has a high pain tolerance. I don't know if you know Martin. Last week, he was here early. He went to kick a ball. I've never seen. He kicked the ball so hard, he broke his arm, y'all. That's powerful, okay? I called, I called this week to check on, check on him. I, I called Aaron. I said, how's Mr. Martin doing? He said, oh, Mr. Martin's doing really good. He said, you won't believe this, but all he had from the time he broke his arm all the way until after the hospital and back home, he had two Tylenol. That's all the kid had. Let me just tell you, if I broke my arm, I'd be like, I need an IV right now. <laughs> Some of you have a high pain tolerance. Some of you have a low pain tolerance, not just physically, but in your life. 
in what's happening. Some of you can put up with a lot. You have a high tolerance for stress, a high tolerance for, for the pain of life. But I'm just telling you that you still have to process the pain because if you ignore it, it doesn't just go away. The wound is still there. And if the wound is still there, eventually, eventually, you go looking for something to help it to feel better. Even if nobody knows about it. Even if you've never told anyone about it. You know the wound is still there. And eventually you will go searching for something to help it to feel better. And what we see about Paul is that Paul processed his pain. That's what we read, we read about in 2 Corinthians just a minute ago as Paul literally listed out all of the things. I've been shipwrecked and I've been beaten and I've been flogged. And I mean, he's processing. He's putting it out there. He's getting it out. It, it, it just lives deep down inside of you. And you've got to have a way to somehow get it out. And that's what Paul is doing. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, we read this. Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about... Here he is he's processing about the troubles that we experience in the province of Asia he says we're under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself Paul's being very vulnerable here he's saying there was so much pain that I despaired my life I didn't want to live any longer so I'm just pointing out, Paul was not just saying, guys, I have a headache. I got a little scratch. He's saying it's so bad that I'm despairing my life itself. But what Paul is doing here is he's creating a new trajectory by processing his trauma. He's processing it so that the enemy doesn't get a vote in the trajectory of his life. Can I tell you that if you allow Satan to write the script of your life, he will own you. He will destroy you. He will lie to you. He will twist every word, every experience, every relationship, and the trajectory of your life will be towards a dark spiral towards death. The enemy's plan is not just to hurt you, but it's to destroy you, to kill you physically, and spiritually. And it might sound like an exaggeration, but I want to remind you today that our enemy plays for keeps. He's not just, he's not just tripping you. He's not just pushing you. He wants you to be destroyed in every part of your life. But you can't only process your pain in the natural ways. How do we find a new trajectory? You gotta process your pain. And then number two, you gotta process your pain with God. You gotta process your pain with God. First of all, you need to process your pain with some other people that you know and love and trust. But number two, you gotta process it with God. I would encourage you to process your pain in prayer. I promise you, that God can take the trajectory of your life that might be headed down the dark spiral towards death and he can shift it and he can give you a new trajectory that's full of abundance and joy, one that moves you towards wholeness and healing. But listen, you're not gonna come to this conclusion on your own. You're not gonna process with other people and suddenly have a light bulb moment that God has a new plan for your life. This only happens as you process with God because here's the truth for every single one of us. Every one of us need a God perspective for our lives. You gotta have a God perspective. There's a verse in Romans chapter eight and I'm gonna share it cautiously because Christians abuse this verse. Christians will come to you in your time of pain as you bear your soul, as you can, can you share your pain, and they'll say to you in a very chipper way, they'll say, brother, sister, remember Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love them. And you just want to slap them in that moment. So please... If you're in trauma today, I'm not being trite when I come to you with this God perspective, Romans 8, 28. I'm coming cautiously. 
I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I don't understand your trauma. I don't like your trauma. I hate that it's, I hate that you're there right now. I don't like the pain of your life. But I do believe that on the other side, even though we can't see it right now, even though I can't calculate it, I can't make the map to show you how you're going to get there, I do believe that somehow God does work all things for the good for those who love him. I, I don't understand it, but I do believe it. This perspective is not given by man through processing in natural ways. It's given as you spend time in the presence of the Lord and all of a sudden he begins to show you the things that you couldn't know any other way. He begins to show you how this painful experience is now going to be worked into your overall story and how that it's not going to destroy you. It's not going to define you. You're going to make it through and he's going to do something with it. And I'm just telling you that only comes as we process our trauma with God. How do we get this God perspective? We cry out to him. We complain to him. We tell him how we really feel. We ask God the hard questions. And this is maybe the part I don't like. We sit in our pain with God. Pastor Lisa and I unfortunately have to walk with you through both the greatest parts of your life and sometimes the worst parts of your life. And we found that often in the worst parts of your life, all we can really do is come and sit with you. I've said to many of you in your traumatic experiences, there's no words. There's nothing that fixes this. There's nothing that makes it better. There's nothing that makes this make sense. There's nothing that any of us can do. There's nothing I could give you that would solve this. And so we'll sit with you. The way we get a God perspective is you sit in your pain. You don't ignore it. You don't pretend it's not there. You sit in it. You wrestle with it. You wrestle with it with some people who know you and love you and love the Lord. And you process it with the Lord. God, I don't understand why this is happening. God, I don't like this is happening. God, I can't believe you're letting this happen. God, I'm mad at you right now. You see, you process that with the Lord. And he eventually, he'll give you a God perspective. This is what we see Paul do in a different passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You might know this passage. This is where Paul comes out and he talks about having a thorn in his flesh. We don't actually know what the thorn is. Theologians and scholars have have spent decades, I mean years and years and years, trying to figure out what Paul's thorn is. They've come up with a list of ideas and it might be those, it might not. We don't actually know. Here's what we do know is this thorn was a really big deal to Paul. And we know that because he says in verse 7, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Listen to what he calls it. A messenger of Satan to torment me. That sounds fun. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Have you ever felt that way about your trauma? A messenger of Satan sent to torment you. Paul had a thorn. Can I tell you that I have had some thorns? And more than likely, you have had some thorns. And some of you have some thorns right now. So what do we do? What do we learn from Paul? Verse 8, watch this. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. Here's what we learn. Paul isn't just processing his pain by himself. He's not just getting a counselor. He's not just journaling. He's not just talking to the disciples. Paul brings his thorn to the Lord. He comes to the Lord and he talks to him about it. And he pleads with him to take it away. Listen, if you want a new trajectory on the other side of your trauma, you're going to need to process your pain with the Lord. 
If we look at Paul, he's giving his pain to the Lord. And in doing so, he's relinquishing the power to hold on to it. And he's giving the power to the only one in the entire universe that actually has the ability and the authority and the power to actually do something with that pain. And what God does is he gives Paul a new trajectory on the other side of his pain. And notice this, Paul didn't just take his trauma to the Lord one time. He went to the Lord three times. I want you to know that if you've been praying about your trauma, to keep praying. That sometimes God doesn't heal you the first time. Sometimes he doesn't heal you the second time. I wish this was a recipe that said, but if you go three times like Paul, everything will be fixed. But can I tell you that sometimes you're going to have to pray four times. Sometimes you'll pray five times. Some of you have prayed 500 times for your trauma. And it gets hard. And we get weary. And we're tempted to give up. And we question, is God there? Does he love me? Why is he doing this? And can I just tell you that that is part of the processing of your pain with the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 has this truth. It says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. He says, cast your care. He says, cast your care He says, cast your care. It's like a fisherman, right? He says, cast your care. Have you ever taken a kid fishing? And you say, cast out there, right? And what do kids love to do? They love to cast. So they cast it out, right? The little bobber's sitting out there and they start reeling it in. Why? Because if they reel it in, they get to cast it again. And you, as the expert fisherman there, you say, Hey, you got to leave it there so the fish can find your bait. Stop reeling it in. And they cast. And as soon as you turn away, they're reeling it in. And you turn and you go, how did it get in so fast? I don't know. Right? Isn't this what we do as we cast our care upon the Lord? We go that morning in your prayer time and we cast our care. Oh, Lord, I really need help at work today. And you get to work and you reel it in. And you take it into your own hands. You say, I think I can solve this. I think I can do this. I think I can fix this. And then you realize you can't. So what do you do? You cast your cares upon him again. Can I give you the best advice for fishing and for your trauma? Cast your care and leave it there. Stop reeling it in. Stop bringing it in. You're not going to catch any fish and you're not going to get healed from your trauma either. Cast your care on him because he cares for you. So Paul cast his care three times. And what did God say? Verse nine, uh, Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And that word, by the way, what you need In your trauma is a word from God. This is what Paul gets. He gets a word from God. That word from God sets Paul on a new trajectory. And we know it because in verse 9 and 10, Paul says, Therefore, in other words, because of that word, that your grace is enough for me, because of that, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power can rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. Paul says, for when I am weak, he is strong. In other words, the enemy doesn't get a vote in the trajectory of my life. I'm going to grab this word and I'm going to go and I'm going to pursue what God has for me and my life in spite of the insults, the hardships, the persecution, the difficulties. Because when I'm weak, when I am weak, he is strong. Paul discovers a new trajectory. And with this new trajectory, we discover purpose. So we process our pain. We process our pain with God. And then number three, pursue purpose. In other words, don't let your pain be for nothing. 
The new trajectory that God has for you is to heal you and then to give you a purpose. And most often, I'm just going to give you some advice here, most often your purpose is wrapped up in the testimony of your healing. Most often. You, you know who believes that God can heal cancer more than anyone else? Someone who has walked that path, who has gone through the treatments, who has prayed 500 prayers or 5,000 prayers, who has shared that journey with, with a loved one, who has shared that, who's walked it with their friends, and on the other side of their healing, that is who you want, want praying for you for your healing. Because they've been there. And now they've discovered purpose. And they found purpose because of the trauma that they went through. You want to know who believes God can restore broken marriages? A couple whose marriage was broken. But when it was broken, they didn't quit. They kept going and they got help and they trusted God and they went to counseling and they did the hard work and God stepped in and did what nobody thought was possible. And if you're in a broken marriage, I'll just tell you who you want, who you want on your team. Someone who's had a broken marriage and God has healed their broken marriage. And now they'll believe with you that God can heal your broken marriage. Because your purpose is, is so often, it's wrapped up in the healing in your trauma. Friends, you want someone who will pray with you for a son or a daughter who does not know Jesus yet? Find a friend who has been there. Because they will stand with you and they will pray with you and they will encourage you and they won't let you give up and they'll pray when you're tired of praying and they'll believe with you to the very end. Why? Because they saw God do a miracle in their child and now they believe that God can do a miracle in your child. This is how we use what the enemy meant to harm us, to destroy us, and we allow God to turn it for good. This is how we find purpose in our trauma. Can I tell you what makes the enemy really, 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 really mad? It's not just you surviving trauma. It's you going back and finding others and joining the rescue crew. That's what, that's what makes the enemy mad. Not just surviving it, but now you say, you know what? I've had enough of this, devil. Now that I know what God can do in my life, I'm going back into the, the, the war, and I'm going to find some friends who need what I found, and I'm going to help be the agent of rescue. God has the power to rescue, but guess what? He uses you and I in the process to go and to share our story and to say, hey, God did this for me. I'm going to believe it for you. Hey, God did this for me. Don't give up. Hey, God did this for me. Come on. Come on, just do it one more day, one more day, one more week, one more week, one more prayer. Just come, just come. I'm not going to let you give up. I'm telling you, this is how we find a new trajectory. Some people find healing, but they never discover the purpose. And I'm excited for those of you that have found healing, but I'm here today to kick you in the behind and to say, don't stay there by yourself. Go and find someone who needs what God's done in your life. Let's share. Let's share. Y'all, when we love something, we share it with people, right? We, 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 we find something that we love and we, and we share it, right? I mean, I mean it, it doesn't even have to be a big deal. You find a restaurant you like. You're like telling everybody. Right? I mean, I mean, you don't even have to be friends with them. You're like, oh, you should eat over there. It's really good. I'm just telling you. If God has healed you from your trauma, if he has rescued you from the snare of the enemy, if he has saved you from death itself, I mean, shouldn't we share that just a little more than we share about a good restaurant? Find your purpose. And all of a sudden, your life will be on a whole new trajectory. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to read one verse, and then the worship team's going to help us. And I know it's not Breakthrough Sunday yet, but can I tell you the good news? That for some of you, today will be your Breakthrough Sunday. 
For some of you, you don't even have to wait for November the 12th. Today, you can find your freedom. Let me read this verse to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It's Paul again. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're about to worship again. Paul's helping us. Praise be to our Lord, to our Father, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Has anyone received comfort from the Lord ever in your life? In your time of need, he comes to you, he comforts you. In your sorrow, in your pain, he, Paul says, praise be to God, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Watch, watch, watch. Here's the why, here's the purpose. Here's the purpose, not just to help you to feel better. He says, he comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. And depending on where you are in your trauma this morning, this part might be hard to hear. In other words, if your trauma is fresh, you probably can't see it yet. But I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust God's word that on the other side, that there's a purpose. That there's a purpose. That he, the, enemy, the enemy didn't win. The pain is awful, but the enemy didn't win. He didn't win. You're still here. You're still here. And he's marked you with a purpose to help others who have a similar story to you. I have one more story to tell you, but I'm going to wait till after. We're going to sing one worship song. And I'm going to ask you to take these last few minutes serious with me. Because I believe that there's some in the room today that you have some serious trauma in your life. And today the Lord wants to heal. Today the Lord wants to help you to process your pain. Today he wants to assign a purpose to your life that you could have never imagined even a few hours ago when you pulled into the parking lot. He's gonna bring healing today. So would you help me? Would you help me in these last few minutes? We're gonna worship. Just give, give the Lord your whole heart, even if it hurts. Even if you don't feel it, right? Even if you're, maybe you're still angry at him. That's okay, just give him your heart. Whatever your condition, your heart is in this morning, just give it to the Lord. And here's my ask. As we sing this song, it might take, I don't know, five minutes, six minutes, if you're serious today about processing your trauma with the Lord, I'm going to ask you while we sing, don't, don't stay in your seats, but move from where you are and, and come to the front. Join me at the front here. You might say, why do we do that? It's because often I found that the Lord asks us to take a faith step. And so, so one of the easiest ways for me to help you to take a faith step on a Sunday is for you to take an actual step. And I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over. That if you'll take your step, God will take his step. He says, you come close to me, I'll come close to you. And I'm telling you that today in the altar, that God has something for you. He's going to help us to heal and to discover purpose. So worship team, help us this morning. Let's worship. Don't, don't, don't stay in your trauma today. Today you can find healing. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.